Welcome to Archetypes and the Planets, where Andre Carr and I, Bea Gonzalez, invite you to think metaphorically as we explore how we have collectively translated the map of the sky into our mythologies, religious systems, and personal psychology. Okay, so last time we began with the sun and, and the archetypal meanings around the sun. And now we're going to talk about the moon. And what's interesting about these two is that they are the two lights. They're not planets. They are the two primary lights. And they are probably the most important in the sense of how much weight they carry, right, in our psyches. And what's interesting in reflecting, and that's a great moon word, reflection, on the the issue of what is separate, what is different between the sun and the moon. For me, the sun is a, a stable thing in the sky. It emits energy. It can be obscured by clouds. But it's always there, right? Emitting its energy. Uh, it may be colder uh, during different times of the year because of the way that the the Earth moves. And you can apply that very nicely metaphorically. In that, you know, sometimes our paths are obscured by clouds. We don't know what we're doing. Um, and sometimes it is. It feels colder or hotter or a different temperature in the way we are living our lives because it's a fire thing, right? Uh, the sun is, of course, rules Leo, which is a fire sign, so it's emitting. And it's very yang type of energy. It creates things. It, it, it's very much about exuding. In contrast to that, the moon, of course, is receptive energy. It's a connecting energy. It's the dark. Uh, it's moist. It's, it's cold compared to the, the heat of the sun. Things get colder at night. Um, and so bef- before even we go to anything, just having those relative meanings I think says a lot about what we're going to talk about, at least from my perspective, moving forward in this in this episode about the moon, because I think the moon may be the most denied thing, and and yet one of the most important things. And so I'll get you in here in a second. But one thing that always struck me, and I think Joseph Campbell talked about this, is how in because of the weirdness of the sun being what four hundred times as far away from Earth as the moon. And uh, but 400 times the size. And I love the fact that the four is embedded in there because in the Jungian system, four is the system is a number of wholeness, brings everything into it. And so that's why they look like the same size, even though they're not. And by the way, I think it's interesting. I read somewhere that the moon is slowly moving away from the sun, from the earth at a very small uh, rate. So nobody has to pack their bags and worry about this. But what's interesting is we're living at a time on earth where it's that ratio is being maintained. And I, and I think it has to say something. And finally, before I, I bring you in, the other thing I think is really interesting is that the one thing we can't accept about the sun is what Jung wrote about in the stages of life. He said, look, the, your life is like the path of the sun. You're up to midlife, you are reaching the zenith, you get to the top, right? And then post midlife, it starts to descend, descend. And he was always talking about how what people had issues with was the descent. And I think the word descent is also very tied mythologically to the whole notion of the moon. But okay, I'll let you come in here and, and see and say your piece about what I've said so far. Yeah, I I agree. I agree with all that. The importance of the the known as the two lights, keeping in mind that the moon's light is sunlight reflected. Uh, I mean, it, even the other planets are reflecting sunlight, so it's all sun in that sense, and definitely associated with the dark the night versus the sun associated with the day the clouds it's it's a good metaphor although even on a cloudy day what you're seeing is sunlight or it would be dark so the sun is is super dominant but the moon 
Uh, one of the ways that I understand it is because of a couple of major things. One is that in reflecting light, it has phases. So then you get a changing, uh, oscillating type of energy mm, where the yes. sun is a more fixed energy. Right. And then the second thing is that the moon is traditionally associated with cancer and water. And it makes perfect sense just alone on when you realize that the moon is affecting the oceans, the tides, it moves the, the ocean, and then it moves the tides in your body as well. So that's why it gets connected to emotions and the fluidity and the you know up and down nature of emotions. It's actually the water in your system. It's even reflected in um, some of the Eastern teachings. They give you instructions for managing the water in your body on a full moon because it's more mm. likely to sway more. So right. all of that is, is very lunar. And in a certain sense, you could say, well, the sun is life. The sun is all the energy of everything. There's a way you could say the moon is kind of closer to you in, in the life force because life is only possible through water. Without water, you have no life. So right, right. there's a there's a polarity there that you really can't get away from, even if you say, well, obviously the sun is much bigger and emits all the energy right. and so forth. The right. moon in that sense is critical. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's so interesting where you talk about the life. This is so interesting to me because you know that the Hellenistic astrologers came up with the concept of the Fima Mundi, which is a mythological chart. Okay. It's a made up chart. So let's work on the story side. And their idea was that unlike the traditional starting of the wheel, which is usually at spring, zero point Aries is very important, of course, of course, in tropical astrology, they would start with cancer. And if you think about it as a story, just what you just said really hooks into it is a mythological story because where did we evolve from? We evolved from water. And you get to the 19th century and you get Richard Wagner writing this monumental cathedral work, uh, The Ring Cycle, and he intuits already then that that is exactly. And so the wine maidens are coming out of water and everything is evolving from this, 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 this uh, stage, you know? Um, and so the, what's really important mythologically is that in the mythological realm, uh, the, the the moon realm, the feminine realm, okay, the yin realm is very much associated with the unconscious. Everything arises from the unconscious, right? So there can no, be no solar light before, because it always comes from there, all right? Um, and so all your creativity is going to come from there. Your dreams are going to, they're, they're all generated by unconscious factors. Now, what's interesting about it from what you just said is that modern day neuroscientists, and it doesn't take geniuses to figure this out because I think it's everywhere in the collective, uh, it's known that a lot of our behavior, a lot of our actions are probably uh, unconsciously directed. They're not consciously directed. We think we are consciously directing, but we know that, and this is where emotion, which means to move again, water moves, uh, is very much a, a primal force in everything that we're doing. So to me, it is a principal thing. We always have to go there. That's where our stories come from. And one of our oldest stories is human stories is from the Enuma Elish, Elish, which comes from the Babylonian period where, okay, that won't go into to the whole thing, but central to that story is the son, of course, the son and the father always try to kill, well, the son's always try to kill the father, the father's try to kill the son, retribution, you know, there's that, 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 that dynamic um, interplay that we'll probably talk about when we get to Saturn. Um, but the mother is really interesting because in that particular st uh, story, Marduk tries to kill his mother, Tiamat. And um, what she does is she uh, assembles a congregation of uh, a group of uh, dragons to fight off her son, but is eventually defeated. And Joseph Campbell talked about how the dragon as a symbol is what we all have to conquer. It's our fear. And one of the things about the, the maternal energy, the moon energy, is you can regress to that energy very one of our big things, one of the big things the adolescent has to do is fight 
that energy in themselves to retreat to a safe space emotionally, because you're forced to go out into the world to take on the solar path, right? And, and today, and, and we'll talk a little bit about how this is manifested, I think, in the world, right? Um, but one of the fights we all have as human beings is not to regress to the level where we're absorbed again, right? But still be in contact with it, because you, you still have to be in contact with it. It's not a business of either or. You have to both be in contact with it, but not be absorbed by it. And that's very difficult when it's water, because water connects everything. So what do you, what do you make of that story and how it all how it all connects to the moon? Yeah, well, the, the, definitely the moon and the connection to the fourth, and therefore your origins, your family, your beginning, yes. your foundation, your base. You could even say the original food, breast milk, is is lunar cancerian. It's the the stomach. It's the idea that uh, it nurtures the system so it can exist at all. And so all of those things, yeah, get coalesced in this in this in this giant picture, and they all you know relate in one form or another. But yeah, they're all there for sure. You you, you can get a lot in, in in to my understanding from linking it to this is a little bit separate from this the way you put it you're putting a certain principle on the ascendant to count one, two, three from there. Uh, I prefer understanding it from Aries because of the fourth sign position and the familial uh, connections of the moon. And therefore, the unconscious, if you think about it, is like the unconscious is when you're a, when you're a baby, you're just merged with your mother. You're, you're not really yet uh, an ego, so to speak. You're, you're existing in this, in this matrix that is unconscious. But then it becomes this thing that uh, the unconscious is like a habitual thing that you do without thinking. It just seems to happen. And that to me is also very lunar and it can become a huge problem if it's if it's repetitive in a negative way, let's say, right? Yes. Because yes. Then, then you have to bring in other factors, uh, you know, to illuminate things. But all of that definitely lunar in that it's the idea when you say regression, it would be like, for example, if I'm reading you right, you're, you're yeah. saying regressing to your like being in fetal position kind of thing. Yes, like you're, yes, you're, yes. You regress yes. to to a, a place of your join, but you, you just can't bear the the hardness and the difficulty of the world or whatever. Yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense. But what do you think that does, though, that as you get older, because then you still have that moon. So is right. that where you said that the logic is you keep in touch with it, but you don't let it, you absorb don't let it, it. Yeah. you don't let yeah. yourself absorb yourself into that uh, initial... Like it's almost excess vulnerability or yeah, excess, yeah, right? Yeah. Excess. So, so, I, so I think I think a couple of things here. I think that first of all, we have to address the, the 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 issue at the heart of it. The moon, the feminine, the yin is the most denied uh, force in the universe. I mean, but especially in the West. I mean, we're looking at a Western form of astrology. It's interesting. Everybody knows their birthday, but nobody knows the moon sign. Of course, that's because you'd have to have a little bit of knowledge to be able to calculate that. In the Chaldean order of planets, which is um, set out by the speed of the planet, of course, the moon is the first. You have to get through the moon to do anything. Right? It goes. Everything goes mm -hmm. to the moon. And right. it speaks to what do we deny in our culture? What is the feminine or the yin that, that you know, the feminine, not women. Feminine is a one of the fundamental things. We all have a moon. We all have a feminine. It's our need to connect. It's our relational capacity in some ways because it is about connecting, although I know Venus is also involved. Um, and it's the body. It's actually the body uh, in some way or shape or, or another. The body is involved in this story. And I think that's one of the things we also um, reject. It's also the emotions. It's our connection to our emotions and, and what drives that. And so when it is a devalued thing, and why is it devalued? I think you go back to exactly and how we evolved again. If you're in the dark, 
and you have no light but the moon and the moon isn't constant and that's why it's attached to women by the way it's a uh, waxing and waning so sometimes in the in the month it's you're in a new moon for example there's nothing there's no light it's a scary place and so i think the things that scare us and what's interesting to me is in the in the in the uh uh the, the classical greek era you had the Eleusinian mysteries and the mysteries are always very much tied to uh, mysticism. And it's a, the branch of every religion, really. I mean, this is one form of it where you're in touch with deeper truths because you're in touch through the internal connection to the, to the, to the, uh, to the larger reality. It's an inter- it's not mediated by the sun, by a solar principle. It's not mediated by an outside agency. It is actually within, right? And what they would do is you would go into these secret spaces where you couldn't speak about afterwards to anybody what would happen and women would be involved they were priestesses and we don't know a lot but we know enough to know that these rituals were done uh to be able to actually and this is really interesting to me partially to get people used to the notion that they're going to die because the th- the moon <laughs> makes you con- very consciously aware of time there's no way you cannot be aware of time and of course it's more tied to women because of the menstrual cycle it's very much you know aligned with the menstrual cycle perfectly mm-hmm. right? and yeah. so women are very attuned to this because they're much more i think are forced to be attuned to their bodies in a way that i don't think men are that's why they have to be initiated in an outer way and i think women have that natural initiation that you mm-hmm. just you can't help it your body changes and it, and of course childbirth and the whole thing and so what's interesting to me is the rejection we have of the moon Okay, of the feminine, of the yin, it makes us uncomfortable. And if we think about all the things that uh, our body produces, it's it's again the thing that makes us extremely uncomfortable, and especially in in the in our society. And I was thinking, and I think you've talked about this before, about how the moon, if it touches an outer planet, an archetypal planet, one of the post-Saturnian planets, it can have a lot of problems. I was just thinking about this today. Karen Carpenter, uh, of the Carpenters, she died. She was one of the first women that brought the whole notion of how dangerous. Um, food uh, disorders were. She suffered She suffered from anorexia, right? And she died of a heart attack because of it. And if you look mm-hmm. at her chart, she had moon conjunct Pluto. And then I looked at other charts that had uh, food disorders. Moon Uranus is also very, very common. The opposition, in fact, I know someone personally with that aspect who has struggled. And I wonder, one of the significations of moon, of course, is feeding, how we nourish ourselves, how we yeah, were sure. mothered, yeah. how we were nurtured. So yeah. What do you make of that? Like, what, what's your take on? Well, that? no, I, I was just in a, I just did a class today on cancer, and so I brought up the moon a lot, and that was one of the things that I talked, you know, quite extensively about because you, it, the moon is the crescent; it's receptive, so it's the. It's, you could almost say it's, it's your mouth taking in energy and food, which, by the way, you masticate. Food is actually water, you, even though it looks solid. You turn it into a liquid. That's what turns your uh, creates energy in your system, and so therefore you can exist, you can survive, and any other food, meaning any incoming uh, that comes toward you in the form of any impression, is automatically lunar as well, which then leads it into the idea that the moon is often associated with memories because the moon is also through cancer connected to the past, and that's why the past, you know, family, all of that gets linked, and so then those memories will either support you or possibly drive you crazy, depending on how you figure out how to organize them. That's probably why it's in the uh, Capricorn polarity. Capricorn comes in to try to help (laughs) organize the situation, right? But for sure, you said outer planets to the moon. Yes, it makes sense because the moon being the the nourishment planet, you could then get uh, a lack of stability, uh, some kind of uh, extreme notion in your head, or for example, it could be as simple as take a person with Jupiter moon, 
maybe they eat too much because mm-hmm. Jupiter is likes to to do things big, you know, expand. Uh, and or if you take Saturn and the Moon, could really constrict, restrict the emotions in some way, and cause a lot of problems that way. So definitely, those planets connected to the Moon right, will act right. in that way. And it and it's pretty central. Like I'm not uh, comfortable with calling a system the way the Vedics will, you know, because they relate to the great mother, the moon, once again, yes. the moon and the mother go really well. They will say their system is more lunar. I prefer a solar system because it makes more sense to me, more broadly speaking. But I but I totally understand though why you could go with the moon as well and do a, a pretty amazing job as well. Right. Because of how important it is. Well, well, I think the, the the fundamental thing is we need a balance of both, right? It's not either or. We need both the sun and the moon. They work in conjunction mm-hmm. with each other. And the relationship to each other is very important. We're not going to get into advanced astrology like progressions, but those cycles are extremely, extremely important. So there must be something to it. Now, it's interesting. The sun gets projected onto the father. It often represents our father. And for women, often a partner or male partner um, mm-hmm. or anybody, a male partner. And But it also represents societal structures, right? So the sun can also be very much what do we project onto what we want to see. The moon similarly gets projected onto the mother. And so I think you cannot avoid talking about mothering, nurturing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that is what we look at. And and often I think uh, Alice Howell said this, and I'm going to mention it before, but I, I think it's uh, it's such an intelligent thing to say that you know, it's not the mother you have, it's the glasses you're wearing also vis-a-vis the mother you have. And those glasses may be moon Saturn glasses, which means no matter how great your mother was, you're going to have Saturn glasses, which means the kind of nurturing you receive may not be the kind of nurturing that you wanted. And um, right. and it's important to know that because then you're not going around blaming anybody. You just, oh, I wasn't nurtured in the way that I wanted to be nurtured. Mm-hmm. So then the next question is, well, how, how do you find the nurturing? But I'm really taken with the notion of safe spaces that is currently very much in the lingo, right? Because one of the one of the places this shows up, and this is interesting to contemplate, is in the notion of what is a university? It's an alma mater. It's a, it's a, it's a, the word mother is a soul mother is actually encoded into the university, and the universities have been places where we've created these these safe spaces, which I think it, again was redressing probably a need. It was addressing something that was uncomfortable, but it has also become exaggerated in our culture like we do in everything. And I'm not saying that they're not necessary. I think what we need to talk about is how moon, what, how we how we heal people, because moon, I think moon stuff is really about healing stuff. And and I just find it interesting because in a way you could say that the, the mother always wants to protect you, always wants to protect you. And yet the solar principle, which is what you have once you're 19, 20, 21, is to get out into the world and face the world and conquer those dragons. And I think that's one of the examples where we're not helping by not creating better solutions, right? By creating a place where we don't say, look, we de- we need to protect you. At the same time, we need to get you to pick up that sword and fight the dragon. And we need to give you the resources to do that. And so we've created this kind of weird world where we're not we're not supporting, and yet everybody ends up in a fight about what this means, and everybody ends up labeling the other one weak. And of course, the word weak is again pointing to the fact that you can't even be emotional because you're labeled weak, which of course is one of the things that women always get labeled with, you know, when the tears come out or when we feel in any way emotional about anything. And so I'm just it's interesting to me how these words then get projected onto the society and then the society runs with it. And I think that might be an example of not allowing the solar principle, which we need to embody to, to live. And, and, and I'll tell you the best example, because I'm, of course, a lot of my work is grounded in Jungian stuff, is a story Marie-Louise Montfrance told. And I think I might have told you before, but I just think it's so it's so incredibly graphic about a son. Her son was dating a woman 
she did not like. And he ended up dying of something. And, and she expressed a relief that he had died because that way that horrible woman wouldn't have married her son. Now imagine, right? This is the idea of the, of the negative mother, the mother that does eat you alive. Because the other thing we have to talk about is that the moon, if it's tied to the earth, the earth can eat you alive as well, right? It's nature. And nature is not uh, a place where everything is rainbows and bunnies. Um, there are hurricanes. There are, you know, uh, there are things that can happen that are water-based or can be any other way. Uh, and so there, there's a connection to me between what we reject and so in, on the one hand, we reject it in the exaggerated form because everything has a shadow side. It can actually absorb us. So again, we go back to having to find that balance between the outer and the inner. And remember, the, the moon is always the inner. It's the inner world. And I'll tell you one more way that I see it. We reject the inner world a lot. Like I talk to a lot of people because I do a lot of dream interpretation work. Well, that's just silly. That's just the detritus of the day. They, they make no sense. To me, they have been incredible guide guideposts for uh, or uh, signals or help as to how I'm going to develop and move move ahead. But there's a whole, uh, not only a, a widespread, I, I think, rejection of the of dreams and the inner life, but of the imaginal, the imagination. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. What what matters is hard fact, and so we must reject the outer world. And I don't know what you make of that, but I've been thinking about this. This is something that has drawn my attention a lot. Yeah, well, I, the one thing is, I brought that up in today's session in the class that that I'm not 100% comfortable with assigning all the dreaming and all the imaginary just to the moon. Oh, yeah, true. In the sense that Jupiter and Pisces and Neptune have a lot to do with that as well, but it's still water, so you're still in that water dimension. And Jupiter is exalted in Cancer, which is the sun of the moon. So there, there are yeah. connections that way as well. But I totally agree, though, that, that I mean, if you think about it, even though you could say, well, no, the sun is more something, the more important, more dominant, whatever. There's a fact that every human being, pretty much unless they're deranged in some way, every person is trying to find comfort in their life. We all find, a, you know, we're looking for a way to feel comfortable. It's like when you see a when you see a little cat, it'll be in a fight and 30 seconds later, it just goes in the corner and gets very still and is like in this Zen, I'm here, everything is fine. It's a it's a place where the organism goes to find a a, a sense of you know internal uh, internal ease, which is basically emotional ease. And if that's not happening, obviously that's going to be a huge problem. Right, right. right. It'll mean you'll be off center. And and, and those things in the in the subconscious. Uh, the only thing is that when you bring up the those things flowing around in there, including in dreams. The language is different. So when you're in a in the so-called logical world, you can say, well, this is a table, something's on the table, the cup's on the table, whatever. Things that are logical in dreams, things will connect to each other that don't appear to have any logical uh, meaning, but they have meaning to the subconscious or to, the, yes. to your yes. particular arrangement right. of those things. Right. So they're, for that reason, a little harder to interpret, but it's your subconscious speaking to you. Yeah, and unconscious. Therefore... It's immediately valid. I mean, who, what else can it mean? I mean, it's sorting itself out and sending you messages, but it's in its language. So in a way, it's a different yes. language, you know. Than yes, the, yes, and I do language. agree. I mean, it's it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good qualification you made. Of course, the dreams and the imaginal world are not exclusively moon, but I think that it all originates from that sphere. That's the first beginning, and then I think it's shaped and 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 um, 
uh, formed by other elements. But at the end of the day, when I think of the moon, I think of the dark. And I think that the dreams evolve from a space where we do not see clearly. It is, and that's why the unconscious is so foreign to us, because we don't really understand in daytime world and logical world and logos what the heck's happening there. You have to enter a poetic dream time imaginary world, and that is a lunar world. And then, of course, the other, everything in, in this this mythological system is so complicated and so intertwined. But at the beginning, this is the way that I look at the moon, that it's the first expression of the feminine principle. And it's it's what happens when light disappears. I mean, light is there, but it's just reflecting, as you say something, you know, as you say, the night is where the moon shows up. <laughs> and yeah. people are not, not comfortable with generally with, with the night. You know, and the notion of connection connecting, Darby Costello in a seminar says something I loved. And she said, the sun expresses this, itself as a particle and the moon is a wave. And, you know, this particle wave duality that exists in physics. And I thought, that's great. It's exactly right. Because the the, the sun expresses very fixed. It ha- comes in and it says, I manifest this very, very concretely. Whereas I think the the moon in this kind of model is is expressing itself in, in, in variation, you know, in the waxing and waning and the fact that it isn't fixed, it can never be fixed. Um, and, and that's because from day to day, the light will actually change. Um, and so I, I just, I, I find that is a particularly good, but absolutely, yes, it is a complex system working more on by building this system up. We're looking more just at the, like the raw kind of ideas that, that come out of, um, the whole, the whole, uh, each of the planets, but then yes, they interact with each other. They have a lot to say. And, and then of course, when you get to the deep unconscious, you're getting into all the trans planets, which we will get to. Uh, the other thing I would say is, uh, by sect, by planetary sect, right? If you're born with the, um, the, the moon above the horizon, then sorry, the moon, the sun above the horizon, that's considered a day, a day chart. And then at night it's the moon. And it, it seems that it, it, there's an argument for people who were born in the night or born may have the moon play a more important role in that. In that, that's the light that takes a more important role. Uh, whereas daytime charts, like you, you and I have both uh, day charts, are much more sun-oriented people. What, what do you make of that? That's a principle that. Uh, yeah, there. I mean, this is the thing with astrology: the the number of uh, combinations you can play with and create stories from is is almost endless. Yes. And I I like that in a basic sense. And I'll always say, make sure you look at every chart independently, because as soon as you make a rule, you'll find an exception. Sure, so of course. you always want to check that. Um, but that the that the two are super important, you know, in anybody's chart, the, the sun, moon, polarity, what they mean, you know, the moon as the, uh, the fluidity of, of, of your life versus the sun, because, you know, the sun is more fixed. It's, it's got this quality. Yeah. Of, of being, it is in fact Leo is a it rules Leo and it's a it's a fixed energy, and indeed in the in the in the sky it, the sun is basically always in the same place. Everything in astrology, everything we do is like an optical illusion because the sun never rises. That that's the Earth spinning in a certain way. Sure. You get winter because the Earth tilts a little bit in a certain way, and then you get m- more sun uh, or less sun energy. You know, so it gets warmer or it gets colder. So they're all optical illusions. And the moon is this thing that is moving around and around pretty quickly. Which, by the way, I, I often say to people, it's the quickest way to learn astrology, just track the moon, because yes. the moon you can track without knowing any astrology. You can see it through all kinds of aspects throughout the month. And I noticed that those are quite accurate. I mean, uh, if my if the moon contacts, matter of fact, the you know, the, everybody knows their tricky part of the chart. There's a part of the chart where eh, it's not easy. And I noticed that. <laughs> 
nine times out of 10. <laughs> yes. You know, in fact, I've discovered like the best thing that can happen. Mm-hmm. And it happens less frequently than the, the worst or the, you know, like, for example, one of the classic things, and this is where perhaps it links it to the sun, is that if you look at life from a totally different vantage point, if you say, okay, well, what if we said life is energy, right? We have this energy, which is life energy, which is flowing or not flowing. And the moon is giving you certain phases. However, at certain times, the moon will make aspects and your energy drops and you can feel, uh, you know, and then and then when you lose that that energy, you want to get it back. So you can feel full of energy again, which you could call solar. But the 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 moon is the mediation or the thing that right. in a sense, right. since it's water and, you know, all of the things that are happening in your uh, body. I mean, think about it. Two thirds of it almost is water. Right. So that ought to right. make you suspicious. You know, when right. you think. Right. Right. Well, this is. is- yeah, this is why I totally associated with the body, and that you cannot get rid of uh, that that association because of it, because you are composed so much, and you are affected. As certainly women are expected, we know this uh, completely, but everybody is because that's yeah. just the, the nature of the human. Uh, okay, so another interesting correspondence the moon has is in mundane charts. So the moon is often depicted, or that's the sign of the people in a chart, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, in any in any country's chart, you look to the moon. Like in the the case of the United States, of course, it's Aquarius, um, and you look at it. Um, and and in transits, uh, other planets hitting that point will tell you a little bit about it. And also, you might find a lot about who people respond to. They have a planet that is. Uh, could you, what, what? How? Why do you think that is? Why do you? How do you connect these to you to as a story? The moon. Yes, the moon to the people. Well, because in a way, the, the moon is what is familiar. It's it's this thing that is is like that. It's the it's the it's the everyday life. I mean, when you when you, for example, in a in a regular chart, any person's chart, that you could, you know, just make a statement that says the sun is more like the way you behave at work in the world, and the moon is what you're like when you're at home, right? Yes. yes. So you put if you put the moon in a put it, make the sun really serious, and then the moon. Uh, unserious maybe comedic and the person at home you know really lets it rip the the people at work wouldn't even recognize them because they're they're acting out their moon it's because it's familiar it's comfortable so then if you look at a country's chart that in a sense is a you know really important uh uh factor in in, in any chart now when you say the public though i do agree with you that it it does correlate with that uh but do you mean like in the sense that the public, like, how do you mean pub- public when you? When oh, I'm, I'm saying about the actual people. So the people that are responding and it makes sense because what, what do politicians usually do? They use emotional language to try to connect to people and to try to get them to respond. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's how they connect. They don't connect to any. And you, you see these people that try to connect through ideas. It doesn't work very well. One of the comments that's often made, and I don't ever want to get to politics there because and I'm not going to single out any specific uh, situation. But I do think the people who connect better are somehow connecting to the water or the tribal instinct in the other. That's right. why tribes are also connected to the moon. So the tribal is is connected to the moon, then for sure the public in, in its different facets, right? It's tribal. It is tribal. We are we're all tribal. We, we like certain groups, we like certain politics, we like this one. There's out groups and in groups. And I think that's very moon-based because survival is very much geared towards uh, we do not survive alone. We need others to survive. And so we connect to others to ensure our very survival, 
right? One of the things I think is always interesting, for example, is that when you look at longevity studies, it's not diet, it's not exercise, it's not, it's how many connections you have. <laughs> how many? Really? People, yes, it's the number one thing. That was what was involved in the famous Rosetta study. I think it was in Pennsylvania in the United States, but also that's very uh, typical of the blue zones. People in these cultures are very connected to others. And the more connections you have and the deeper, the more likely you are going to do better. And so that is a moon thing to me. You know, you don't connect through the solar principle. You connect because you want to sit at night by the fire telling stories, right? That's yeah, how we well, survived. I mean, when you think about it too, if if you if you, if a planet, this is the idea that in a, uh, in, in a, in a chart, sometimes the people will talk more about the house of self, the first the house of relationships, the seventh, the tenth of career, the fourth, yeah, the home, you know, whatever. It's like it's the less sexy house, but it's probably the most important house. I mean, you're always there. We spend, or at least a lot of the time. I mean, we we spend time at home by default. It's what is familiar. It's what is emotional, uh, meaning like because it's connected to your, you know, your inner feelings when you're by yourself, your private state. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of deep individuality in there. I was mentioning uh, in today's class that in cancer is when the at least in the northern hemisphere, cancer is when the sun is brightest, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's 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 a point of uh, great individuality. The end of Gemini, the beginning of Cancer. So then, all of that makes it you know supremely important. It's a, it's a planet that if you think okay, well, here's the country. Whatever else you say about the country, the Moon tells you a lot about what that country is comfortable with or likes right. or, or right. you know right. tunes into. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Or or even including what the country needs as a whole for nourishment. For, for nourishment. Uh, one astrologer had uh, coined it as. The moon, the, the Venus is what you like. Moon is what you need. Because yes, what you is, need. Yes, is more yes. immediate. You know, it, it's right. like the actual food that you need to survive. Right. I, I think it's also interesting that it's often said in synastry, uh, in charts when you do comparisons between two people, and they're living together. It's a, it's very, it's important to look at how their moons are are working together. Yes. Because if your habitual self, and I think the moon is about habitual selves, right? How mm-hmm. you are instinctually, how you work on, on an everyday level. If you're very, if, if there is a mismatch, I think it can cause uh, great problems. I remember you years ago when you started teaching me this stuff, you would call it the the person that wants the window open and the married to the person that wants the window closed. It's yeah. a small little thing, right? Yeah. But it always stuck in my head as a great example of, um, and you know, these are things we all have to negotiate with whoever we live with, but you then involve an outer planet hitting those two things. And it could turn into that someone's habitual uh, way of approaching things can actually reactivate. And I think this is another important thing with the moon. It can reactivate things that wounded you as a kid, because it is, does have this uh, attachment to your ancestral story. Uh, and that has been passed on down the line, maybe for generations that nobody's really dealt with. And you can end up with a person that is unconsciously, and I'm not saying this is ever conscious, because I think we are mostly unconscious, that is activating the very thing that wounds you. And I think this is where people really get into trouble. And so it's one of the things, you know, you should maybe look at the moons. Are you going to be able, and if you don't have moons that that work well together, perhaps you need to find parameters uh, that help and to understand, well, the other person doesn't feel comfortable if you are, I had a friend who's, um, who's, uh, whose boyfriend would come over and basically take the, should be watching television and he'd, without even asking, would, would show up and change a channel. And like, that's, you know, this is insane. It's lacking in respect, right? 
and it, it would activate a whole series of things that that uh, she she felt vis-a-vis lack of power in a den in a dynamic that she uh, when she was a kid. So these are the things that I think the moon does point to, and this is why I think it's so important not to disregard it, uh, because you will find that a lot of what makes you uncomfortable is mediated through that moon. It, it is it is it is, and that is you know it's interesting. I was thinking about um, in the Greeks they 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 saw the moon as having three faces. It's the <clears throat> the the maiden uh the the mother and the crone and the maiden is the new moon it's young it's fresh it's uh you know unsoiled unspoiled it hasn't gone out into the world and suffered yet because it's you know prancing around the mother is the the moon at its full full moon face because it's at its height it's mothering it's doing the thing that it does best the nurturing and then of course the crone is when the moon in in its crescent face it starts to die in the balsamic as it die. and and it's interesting to me that again even within those three goddesses we uh we look much to the, we 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 love that full moon and that's something to talk about too the full moon and how mm. important the full moon is but it's the idea of rejection of the crescent moon the idea well those are phases when it's dying and the wisdom is lost we don't we don't want to look at that uh, hecate was the goddess that was associated with it um and yet uh the, the, one of the most famous stories we have is the demeter persephone story and demeter uh is if you look at it most people interpret it oh it's horrible Persephone gets abducted by Hades and she's off in the underworld for, and then, you know, she's tricked and get, eats those pomegranate seeds. But if you look at it another way, in, if you look at it this story this way, Persephone is prancing around, okay, in a field, not evolving because she's too, she's the kind of girl, I'm smelling the flowers, I'm just running around, I feel. And, and when um, it's after she's taken into the underworld that she is, uh, that she matures. This is the, 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 the other way to look at the story because she's forced to separate from Demeter, her mother, who is then goes around, you know, lighting everything on fire in the world because she's so upset her daughter's been taken away from her. And so encoded in that story, you're already seeing a couple of things. First is the, the denial of the crescent moon, the idea that as the moon dies and, and, and before it's reborn, then it's not worth anything. It's like nothing gets done. And it is, by the way, there is a correlation to that because if you, th- uh, with with the balsamic moon phase that if you think about your life right that is not the time to get things done that's the time to get centered and get uh, connected to the deeper self right but we're living in such a solar world that everybody's just trying to always get things done but maybe what mm-hmm. it's telling you is no this is time to to just like in the seasons this time to maybe lay low be reflective meditate a bit not go out in the world and try to you know not try to be famous at 91 that's not the, the purpose of that latter or the later part of your life um and i don't know where i was going with this andre so rescue me and tell me where i was going <laughs> yeah well no i mean it, what, what that triggered in me is that you know it's sort of the logic that the moon if you look at it as as uh the idea of when you go to rest you go home you go to recover, everybody sleeps, you know, and starts the next day. It's it's like you're in a way you're returning to the womb, you're returning to the or to the origin, to your base. And the whole idea is to let the return be as natural and as easy as possible in order to in order to recuperate, but also to imprint that in your in your internal psyche so you can then live properly in the world when you then you know resume the next day so to speak because the moon in that sense it, it's the night it's the idea that you'll spend it in that you know unconscious by the way as you put it right you're you you uh, go into the unconscious now of course the the mystery and the magic is also that if a person has a certain unconscious and they want to change the way they are relating to their unconscious so that in in some way it's a uh 
a better relationship, so they feel better, they feel more at ease, they typically will have to engage the powers of the of the conscious mind uh, um, at, at least you know for a certain amount of time in order to bring in new energy into the into the unconscious because for example when someone undertakes say in the realm of habits which is which are habits are very lunar in that the idea of a mechanical repetitive you know you do these things over and over if you want to change the habits you introduce uh, some kind of effort, some kind of will, you then train a new response and eventually it becomes unconscious again, but it does it in a way that is that is better, that serves you better, right? And this could be right. in any realm, the realm of food, the realm of relationship, the realm of uh, the sense of self you have. You go through this part that is much smaller because the conscious part of the mind is a tiny, tiny universe compared to the, to the unconscious or the superconscious, you know, all those realms. But nevertheless, uh, it's super critical because otherwise, that's what you live with. Your unconscious is what you really are living with. And it would be like, imagine, you know, ponder the image of a person who's falling asleep at night, always worried or always upset or always, you know, that, that's to me, it's sheer health. It's the, right, the, right. the opposite of fulfillment, happiness, ease, joy, et cetera. So, so let's be practical. We're both earth people and we, I like to have practical practical things that you can give us. If you are trying to counsel someone to get in contact with that lunar side of themselves, their nature. Now, of course, it's a very complicated story because you have to look at the whole mythological realm and say, okay, what is that moon doing? But in general, what are some ways, if you want to address the moon story in yourself, what are some ways, what are some, some things you could do? What belongs to that, uh, to, to that world that could help people make them or allow them to contact with that that uh, fundamental light within. Well, one way, simple practice is become more aware of your emotions. Mm, in yes. uh, in the sense of there, you're in a sense pulling from the opposite uh, the the polarity of Saturn. Saturn is the one that says just look at it dispassionately. What's the emotion? What is it? And then. Through practice, you try to see if you can find out what, what is bringing about the emotions. So you get more familiar with those emotions, right? And in due time, this will make a big difference. You know, this would be in contrast to if you are so merged in your emotions, so lost in your emotions that you think they're you, and then you're flailing around, <laughs> saying things and getting angry and whatever. Well, that will generally cause problems for you because not only will you be upset and out of sorts, but other people will probably be uncomfortable around you, right? right? So that would be one example of being tuned in. But, you know, then then from there, it depends on your style, right? One person may say, oh, well, that sounds good. And they'll do it in a really gentle way. Uh, we laughed about my, you mentioned in a previous time, I can't remember what it was, about how I have a Pluto moon situation. Well, mm -hmm. I, I'm really, <laughs> my radical nature says, no, you should be policing your emotions. You should be like, like Pluto <laughs> says, funny. you should be relentless in saying not a single one should escape your, your wow. like almost like the police state going, everything goes through that doorway and I'm going to see what it is. Well, you could say that's extreme, but you could also say, you're going to get to know what's yeah, going yeah, on. Get to know them, sure. When you get to know, it, it, it's, it's not so much that you control things. You don't control them. You just notice what they are and you let right. Right. the system find its own balance over time which is not something that it's going to do right away. It's going to take time. You know, you got to, which by the way, it's very lunar because you have to go through the moon, you know, those yep. 
those magi that say, oh, it took me 32 moons to figure this out. <laughs> 320. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. I, it's yeah. so funny that moon Pluto, because for me, it's moon Mercury conjunction. And I, I, I you look at my writing, it's very moon-like and that it's, it's very ancestral. I can't get away from history. Of course, it's also in Capricorn. I, I'm very much involved with the emotional world. And yet I reject it. I feel really embarrassed by it. I'm constantly trying to say, you should be more methodical and get it because Mercury, you know, you should be. Um, yeah. So I do think you can channel it through different ways. I'm, 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 give, I'm taken by the fact that the moon is exalted in Taurus. And I think Taurus is a, a sign that is particularly aligned with the body too. And it, it yes. always reminds me that it's this earthy place where you really get, your, your feet are really grounded, right? You're really touching the earth. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes sense to me that the exaltation is there. It's weak as the moon is in Scorpio and in Capricorn. And in Capricorn, it makes sense too, because it's ruled by Saturn. <laughs> Saturn is cold. It is the antithesis, as you say. It's the other side. If you look at it astronomically, it is at the opposite side. It's it's when when the when the 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 sun is coolest, coldest. And so it kind of makes sense that and the light is it's more than not the 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 heat of the sun. It's actually the light. They we don't have too much light uh, under during Capricorn, right? Uh, so uh, it makes sense to me that it would not be a place that the moon would find itself happy because it almost uh, it, it searches that uh, that that kind of light in itself. Uh, and if in Scorpio, I thought about this. I thought, okay, why why is it uncomfortable in Scorpio? Because that is its fall. It's the opposite of uh, Taurus. And I'm wondering if it's because in Scorpio um, it just goes so deep. It, it really does go so deep that it, it it loses contact with the earth because it is going so deep within. Does that? What, what is your feeling about that? If you had to play with that idea, where, where would that Yeah, be? well, those are actually great because the, the but there's another example that where you have to be really careful because uh, a good thing can turn into a bad thing and a bad thing can turn into a oh, good for thing. Sure. So for, for instance, sure, yeah. the moon likes being in cancer. Why? Because the moon in cancer is comfortable with the domain because it's domain of emotions. Capricorn, the criticism would be, well, you just disconnect from your emotions and that yes. way there's no problem. But- at the same time, a cancer, a Capricorn, moon in Capricorn will say to a moon in cancer, well, why don't you just organize yourself and put things in the proper place? And like, you're all confused. Maybe you could make a Rolodex, you know, like that, that would be Capricorn. In, in that sense, the Capricorn person can then feel good about their emotions because their life is in order. I mean, basic yeah. stuff. Yeah, sure. Or you take the moon in Taurus. It's the place of life. It's the place of the senses. Sure. Often connected to food and enjoyment of the senses. But you can see where that could go too far. Yes, all of a sudden true. you go too far. In Scorpio, I think you're right. It's the depth, but it's probably because Scorpio has a, they get really identified. Scorpio gets really identified with relationship. It's like the idea that you merge with someone and then the pain goes deeper. And you and then this is where you get the revenge and you get the, you know, I'll never forgive you. Oh, that was, uh, no. and, and the moon there, in the sense, it's almost like saying uh, in Scorpio, the possibility of a deep emotion that is hijacked the psyche, the psyche and will never let go over something negative that happened can become really toxic, right? But then you might find Moon and Scorpio a great psychiatrist or a great psychologist sure, yeah, or a great yeah. therapist yeah. because why? Because they understand the, yes. the the particular theme. So you gotta look at oh, what's yeah, going on. Thing. And then each person, you know, it's up to every individual. This is why, back again to the study of astrology, even though I might say I prefer a solar system. In terms of study, I would say start with the moon. The moon is the one you want sure. because yeah, you yeah. can track it and track it and track it and get so much information, you know, over, right. a, over a short period of time. Right. I, I should also say that I think the exaltation and the fall in both Capricorn and Scorpio could be attributed by, if you look at the philosophical system under which this was developed, 
by the fact that those two signs are ruled by the what the ancients called the malefics. And what's interesting about uh, in Scorpio, you've got Mars as the ruler, and Mars cuts through things, right? It cuts through, it's like a sword. It can go through anything. But actually, you sometimes need that because one thing that mm. I think the, 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 uh, the, the, the watery moon lacks is discernment. It has no way of knowing what is, what is right and what is wrong. So in fact, uh, having that as the undertone is actually probably helpful in some cases. Similarly, Saturn is cold, but as you say, Saturn also structures, it puts up boundaries. Water has no boundaries. I mean, they just walk around right. spilling water. the water everywhere. Yeah. Saturn says here, I'm going to build you a nice little wall and then you can be contained and you're not going to go around <laughs> spilling, <laughs> yeah. spilling your nuttiness. And this speaks yeah. to something that I think is super important. Um, and I think that the modern astrologers, you know, I'm a big fan as well of integrating both the old and the new, because I think you can't they're both one extended system people argue all day about what you're using for example is something the hellenistic and the middle uh medieval astrologers rejected which is the idea of a house equals um a sign right you're using more that that kind of system whereas they say no although i have studied both and what i see is that the overlaps are so great that i wish they'd just stop arguing about it and also we have to take into consideration the post 1781 we have a new psyche psyche we have a new psyche because we have three or four new planets but you mm. know i'm not going to get into that big long argument but what's interesting about it is that i think what what always stops me about uh, having a very deterministic thing is what you just said it's not either or every Every expression has a negative and a positive, and I'm not even going to say negative and positive, a shadow and a more expressive light-filled side, whatever you want to use, whatever words, and all words are loaded lately, so you have to be very careful. What I'm saying is that in any situation, you can choose through consciousness to find another way through something. And so if you're mm -hmm. aware that you have no boundaries, right, then you have to work on that. There's no way around mm -hmm. it. And, you know, mm -hmm. someone with a lot of Capricorn uh, doesn't have the boundary issues other people have. Why? Because they've learned to work with Saturn, either through life that has been, things have been denied to them, or that's their nature, their inclination. But, mm -hmm. you know, then it comes someone who doesn't have those boundaries, and it comes by, by, uh, by th Saturn comes through and hits their moon by transit, right? And what tends to happen is that they are forced to develop boundaries, whether they like it or not. Right. And if they don't, they get depressed, a very a common sign of Saturn. And it's because life is asking them to do something that runs against their habitual response to things. And that, right. by the way, is why I think you're right that you start with the moon, because it is our habitual responses to everything that causes most of our problems. If we can yeah. step outside and say, hey, I am not going to respond to that person in this way I did yesterday because I've gained some distance, some knowledge that I'm responding from a place of woundedness or habitual, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever. Then you can start actually making this philosophical system work for you, right? You yes. don't get caught in. I'm determined. I am. My life is fate oriented. There's nothing you can do. Yes, there are things that happen to you, but you can choose your response. And I think there is nothing where it's more, or there's no uh, area in the chart where it's clearer to me than when you hit the moon. Because the moon is always going to react with like without thinking. Thought is not part of its. Uh, as someone as someone wrote somewhere, the moon absorbs and Mercury articulates. Right, so it's a very different thing. It just brings everything in, and it 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 doesn't have the power of discernment. It doesn't have that sword that it needs, and uh, and 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 it, that's where the problems are. Uh, originate from in my view so yes tracking the moon would actually tell you a lot of where you're responding in a way that's not helpful to you and by the way not helpful to others because you know they're talking correct about correct right you know and ironically too though you could also bring in another uh notion which is if you're trying to go to really big principles meta principles and you say well what is this whole journey why what's going on here what are you trying to accomplish with all this conscious subconscious superconscious yes. you know <laughs> it gets so confusing they say well you could say 
that in a certain way, even the moon, the moon being unconscious, uh, there is a human drive, what people call awakening. And awakening fully, you're actually in a continuum of consciousness. You're no longer unconscious. You are, you could say you're conscious of your subconscious. It's all one energy. Right, right. In that case, the moon is in a sense trying to incarnate the sun fully. It's mm -hmm. trying to become full forever so that you would be aware all the time and you're not going to do something unconscious, mechanical, that you learned from before that doesn't necessarily serve you. And sometimes the simplest way to practice this is you just introduce this little bit of Saturn without being too hard on yourself. For example, I've said this to people many times. If you are engaging with people all day long, all you do is change one of the words in your vocabulary. For example, stop saying this is true, but this is true. Say this is true and this is true. And, this and because is true. you have to remember to do it, the remembrance keeps you conscious. Yes. And then you notice that as you're walking around from room to room, you become less likely to just react because that's what the moon does, the reaction. You just sort of react, which is okay. It's comfortable, but it'll keep you along the same wave. You know, there's no, there won't be the growth of the so-called consciousness. Right, uh, right. There you're bringing in the sun a little more, but the sun and moon, I mean, they're working together, obviously, because the they moon, have to. Yeah. yeah I mean, this exactly. is so this is why the lights begin the story, because in every mythological story we have, it is the two. They, the, the way we understand in dream, by the way, dream interpretation, when you know something is coming into consciousness, and just as a key that we always use in dream interpretation, is when you start seeing appearing twos, two things. I had a I had a moment in life when I was seeing two monasteries, one higher, one lower. <laughs> I kept appearing. Oh my God. I, I was working on some spiritual practices at the time. And I would like, I was getting the view of the higher monastery and the lower monastery. And, you know, you can get twos in any way, but the way that it's classically interpreted, and of course, every dreamer is can only interpret for themselves. This is, you cannot apply rules, but it's the idea that something is, is, is separating so that you can recognize it. And this goes back to the moon. I guess we can finish with this. The moon is one go up, right? Everything is enmeshed, right? The mm -hmm. solar consciousness is needed to, to, to separate it. That's what the masculine, the yang energy does. But one can't mm -hmm. be without the other. And so those who say, well, yeah, the feminine is all awful, the moon is all, and or vice versa, are not understanding that they are both work together all the time and that one cannot evolve or move or be whatever it needs to be without the help of the other. And that is why you have two in every, there, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's uh, Zeus, but there is his wife Hera. There is, a, you know, uh, in all the mythological systems, you have the two. And it's it's two principles that are always operating. And they're operating within us. They're not externalized. Mm -hmm. We've projected them because it's easier to understand them. And that's how, by the way, that's how we recognize things through projection. We first put them on a person. Then we go, oh, that's actually not the person. I think that's me. Uh, that person isn't the jealous one. Maybe it's something that's, that's originating within me. And it's mm -hmm. being... I'm seeing it because it isn't in, in me. And that that takes some solar awareness because the, the light has to be shone in something that's dark, right? So you, right. you can't separate one from the other. I totally agree. I think this is where we're getting to problems. But we also cannot discount that the moon is absolutely important to look at as the as the primal story, the beginning of the of the unfolding of the story. And that mm -hmm. everything gets mediated through the emotions, through the body, through the way we nurture ourselves, through the way we nurture others. And that, yeah, watch it, watch it, and see how where it's going. And then I think that's the first, uh, the first step in the in the larger story or the larger journey. Yeah. Well, although when you say that, though, remember that uh, if a person is not tracking their astrology, that sounds like a, you know, they'll go, what do you mean watch oh, sure, it? I mean, like in the sky, you know. It, it, I, I mean, you can watch it in the sky and you know when it's full. There's a certain feeling when it's new and so forth. 
the the real magic is when you can say oh sure today i'm experiencing moon square saturn moon yeah trying something else uh one of the things that i've said to people for example as as the contrast it's so clear if you track the moon when it's one ninth of the circle which is 40 degrees right and you Mm -hmm. track it 40 degrees from something and then about 10 hours later it's 45 degrees from something and you'll notice that the 40 degree feels really easy and the 45 does not right (laughs) that's a separate thing because you get into the and and sometimes it's a simple you just don't know quite what just went off here you're a little bit off center whereas the other one you could say uh, with the moon you're you're the idea of contentment you're just Mm -hmm. You're just here you're content you're fine it's like when you're at home relaxed and then the other one is where oh who who just knocked on the door was that do i know that person you know that kind of thing with right. which put you in the 45 which is the, the and, and that's the something you got to track uh regularly you know squares oppositions and so sure, forth sure. which by the way uh be, become a way to get a lot of information about yourself over the course of a whole month because it does that 20 Right. a day, uh, thing and it goes through all your planets in, in exactly. one form or another. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, if anyone is listening to this, then they're already interested in tracking the moon and then they have a basic knowledge or interest in at least understanding because otherwise, you know, these are stories, but we're trying to apply them to a, a mythological map, a map that we have of our lives, right? So this is why I think that I love storytelling. I am a storyteller first, but if you can't apply it in a practical way to your life, Right. Then, you know, uh, one is enchantment and yes, and if you makes you feel whole, but the other one is actually something that is actionable. Again, going back to that sun word. And I think uh, most people would like to not be caught up in their habitual pattern of relating or relating to anything, whether it's food or people or their jobs or whatever. And I think those, these, that's what we're trying to explore. And I was thinking about it, you know, the tarot uh, people often uh, explore the major arcana as a story that you tell from the beginning yes. full to the end. I actually think through the Thema Mundi, I started thinking of this as a, as a storyteller, quote unquote, that you can do the same thing. Water evolves. So the moon is the first thing we evolve from this water, from this, you know, enmeshed mass, uh, mass of, of undifferentiated, whatever. And then the sun comes in and, and starts the action, right? It starts by putting uh, uh, the solar light onto it. And then you can actually work your way through and create a story about, well, what the hell are we doing here? Right? Because mm-hmm. we also know that the moon is the womb and the tomb, right? In a way, yeah. it, it, it governs both. So it both, governs yeah. our very early beginnings and yeah, our yeah. endings. So, so you can look at it and say, okay, this is the story. We're going to go around the circle and through it, you can see, but, but, the, but the most important thing you said, I think to me is that you have to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. that's the consciousness part, right? Yeah. You put the eye of consciousness, by the way, the eye of horror, here it is. And, yeah. and you don't obsess about it because then you're, you know, you're hyper-rational and you get, it's, you know, it's illness, but you're, you're just watching. You're just watching and saying what is happening. And then mm. you see the patterns because I think there are repetitive patterns and cycles that you yourself in your life that you can track. And this yeah. is what makes this fantastic and a beautiful system to learn if, you know, uh, and why we do it, I think, and why we keep going back to it. Or otherwise, if we hadn't, if over years of study, you couldn't have seen repeating motifs, repetitive motifs, uh, cycles yeah. that seem to recur in different ways, but still having that same sort of um, uh, kind of ring to it. Then you wouldn't do it. You would have abandoned this long ago, but it's precisely because you keep seeing the repetition of these things that you think, mm-hmm. hey, then maybe there's something here that can teach me. And that's why mm-hmm. we do it. Otherwise, you know, yeah. otherwise it's yeah. just talking. It's just like, okay, let's talk about this and make it a part of the game. And it's not a part of the game to me. Yeah. Something that yeah. has a lot of depth and, and, and resonates with bigger things, you know? Makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Okay. So next time, let's talk about the translator, the Mercury, because he's next on the Chaldean order, and also because Mercury is well, they're all super important. But just what what part of the story does Mercury have? 
uh, in this whole unfolding uh, myth mythos. Yep, that'll okay. be fun. All right. All right. All right. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you've heard, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating so that others can find us. Until next time.